essa pente. You may be a Doctor Who podcast, but I'm the Doctor Who podcast. The definite article, you might say. Hello listeners, Happy New Year and welcome to episode 335 of the Doctor Who podcast. And is it a Happy New Year? Because I'm here in the camper van with Phil and James to talk about Eve of the Daleks. Happy New Year, gentlemen. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Ian. Happy New Happy Year, Year James. Happy New Year, Ian. Yes, it's... Uh, well, <laughs> well, we'll find out if it's been a, a good Happy New Year for us or not in, in a moment. Who's, who's going to start this off then? <laughs> well, put it this way, we're in with 20 hours is it 20 hours yes 20 hours into 2022 and i'm not too sure whether or not things are much better than 2021 so far (laughs) Uh, or at least that was certainly the case up until we started watching this episode but um yeah it, it was interesting and i kind of feel like we're all kind of holding back a little bit and um, I'm, I'm going to turn things around because it's always the person who introduces the episode who ends up giving his opinion last. So let's reverse that. <laughs> Ian, what did you think of it? You ambushed me, James. <laughs> Just before it started, my, my son said to me, what's your expectations, Dad? After, well, we've discussed that series so much. And I said, well, I want it to be good. You know, I always want it to be good. But, you know, if, if anyone can mess it up, then frankly, it's Chibnall. But I liked it. I enjoyed it, and in fact, the whole family enjoyed it, and we all thought that was a good, solid, rip-roaring episode, went along at good pace, was easy to understand, you could actually tell what was going on, follow the plot. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, we'll get into some more of the details, but as a sort of a top line, no, I enjoyed that, I thought that was good. I thought it was, uh, how can I put it, an enjoyable piece of New Year's Day fluff, actually. Um, It wasn't... I didn't find it too taxing at all. I just thought it would just sort of put your feet up and um, just sort of went along with the ride. Really, I just thought it was it was mm. it was a lot of fun. That, that sounds like you're borderlining on positive. There, Phil. <laughs> I'm always borderline <laughs> on positive. I never go over. You know, <laughs> not, not you haven't quite committed, have you? <laughs> yeah, um, I, I'm probably less positive there, and I, I would say that it was spectacularly ordinary. And um, I I think about 20 minutes into it, I was thinking, is this Chibnall having a go at Heaven Sent? Because essentially it was pretty much the same concept, the same period of time, just looping um, and marginally more progress made on each loop. And I mean, clearly it was very different apart from that. But the central concept I thought was pretty much identical and about halfway through, this was the only other thing that kind of hit me as I was watching it. The Doctor may as well have been companionless for the first half an hour. There wasn't even, I think, a full line that Yaz or Dan had until halfway through. 32 minutes, actually, because when it hit me, I started <laughs> looking at me watch to see at what point Dan was going to come out with a full sentence or Yaz, Yaz might. Um, and it took to the point where... Dan got in the lift and actually started 
talking um, before he'd even completed a full sentence. Uh, so I thought they were criminally underused uh, there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can understand why the pair of you liked it, particularly after the uh, the complex, rather challenging story we've just had with uh, with flux and we're still trying to get that out of the system but on the whole i thought it was good it was it veered way too much into soap opera for me towards the end i will never watch doctor who for the relationship element of it even where i have been signed up to it in the past 10th doctor and rose i i think this yaz doctor thing it would have been better left unsaid it's just doesn't have the ring of authenticity to it for me um and the ending was fairly saccharine, I suppose. Um, I'm not sure whether we're supposed to talk about the next time trailer, but I'm going to anyway. Um, that was the most intriguing part about the entire episode for me. And and Phil, I'm going to put you on the spot here. You you relayed a story to Ian and I just before we went on air about how you almost miss the majestic reveal. Yes. Of- I, uh, I was going to say Ice Warriors, but it's not Ice Warriors, it's is it? Sea, it's sea Devils, Devils. yes, because my, my wife is a fan of uh, The Masked Singer, which was on at the same time as Doctor Who uh, this evening. Um, <laughs> but she was going to watch it on the Plus One channel. So as soon as the credits were rolling, she turned over. And both Scott and I were, the, 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 the next time trailer. Um, oh, sorry, sorry. And she tried to put it back onto BBC One again, but kept putting the wrong channel number in. And both me and Scott, go, go, and I was ready to grab it off of her. <laughs> And she finally switched over right at the moment with the with the Sea Devil reveal, and both Scott and I just went yes, Sea Devils like that, and that was uh, I think that probably was the most animated we've we've been <laughs> for all evening actually. But uh, yeah, I mean that that was for me that was just um, that was a lovely genuine surprise, and I don't want to talk about that too much to be honest because um, yeah, sure. it's uh, we haven't seen the episode yet. That will come later this year. <laughs> We know not when yet. No, not for sure. Not for sure. Everyone's assuming it's going to be around Easter yeah, time. I think like, yeah, so. yeah. Anyway, uh, go- going back to tonight's episodes then, um, any standout moments, Phil, for you, as far as you're concerned? Before I sort of get into that, it's interesting what you said. You thought this was sort of like a rehash of Hellbent. Um, Only the, the concept, concept. Yeah, the concept yeah. for me put me in mind of that Star Trek Next Generation episode, Cause and Effect, when the Enterprise gets caught in that time, when it crashes into that um, other starship that comes out of a um, a wormhole or, or its own time loop, and it goes round and round again, it gradually gets revealed as the episode, mm. and it just put me in mind of that um, more than Hell Bent, actually, in a, in a strange way. Do you mean Hell Bent or do you mean Heaven? Wh- whichever one it was, I can't which one it was now. <laughs> so the one when, he, when, when it takes him four billion years to punch through that diamond, yeah. Yeah, so we're talking about the same we episode. Are. I think that's heaven sense. Oh, it might be. It's a concept that's turned up quite a lot, particularly in the last couple of years. I can think of at least two video games that use this concept. There's Deathloop and there is um, The Outer Wilds, which both use exactly the same concept of going around in a circle and slowly revealing the plot to yourself and doing things differently. So it's a common cultural concept, I think, now across multiple genres and, and fandoms. So I don't think... It's, necessarily linked to heaven sent i think they're just all different variations of the same Hmm. theme i thought it was a well executed version of it though you know time loopy stories can be difficult to land they can be difficult to get across to the audience without it just becoming a confusing mess i thought they did very well on this one it was immediately apparent what was going on we immediately locked into the the idea it wasn't confusing it didn't lose you it made sense 
no, I, I thought the concept was was well executed, well being kept simple and accessible. Yeah, I think if you hadn't seen any of the the trailers leading up to tonight's episodes, I mean, before you've got into the opening credits, you've had all the cast exterminated. So, I mean, I mean, hmm. if you hadn't seen that in any of the the trailers, that would have been quite a, a shock to the I'll say the, the the uninitiated or the casual viewer. I thought it, it was good, and the way they just sort of kept it going, and the different ways they were. Exterminate. It wasn't the same thing or in the same place. I liked that it just kept moving and it went, the time it got shorter and shorter as well, which I thought was, was interesting um, and added that an extra element of sort of jeopardy, really. Um, it did make it how they're going to get out of this. So, yeah, I, I, I'd quite like the premise behind this one. It's interesting how it had its own characteristics so first of all it was shrinking so they came back one minute um before no one minute yeah one minute after Mm. they come back the previous loop that was right so it was a decreasing circle or a decreasing loop i thought that was good and also the concept i mean if you compare it to something like well either heaven sent or indeed groundhog day uh, most of the characters actually retained their memories from the loop this time, rather than just being completely reset. So, of course, the whole concept of Groundhog Day, which I suppose we can say is probably the original blueprint mm. to this, um, you had the main character, Bill Murray's character only, who actually retains his memories of going round in circles all the time. All the other characters were going through the motions for the, uh, for the first time. Um, but, I, but I think that helped keep it fresh each time and it was a case of having the events fixed so the the deaths took place they just took places in different places if Mm. that makes sense Um, and allowing both the doctor Yaz and Dan to adapt or and Nick and Sarah to a degree and the Daleks to respond to how the previous loop played out in future loops I think kept it fresh and I think actually was quite a good improvement on the basic concept uh, I, I also thought nick and sarah um were really good characters they were very very convincing i thought and i, I didn't know the actor um or i didn't know the actors either actor actually i was going to say ashley b yeah i think yeah. is the name yeah now apparently she's a big deal and she's been in other stuff never heard of her before never seen her before so what do we think of the slightly revised Daleks? I mean, there's the obvious stuff of the new Gatling gun, which I actually thought was, was pretty pretty decent. Um, but also, was it just me? Were they very chatty? Yes, they were very chatty, actually. Daleks are not chatty. Well, weren't they... <laughs> Um, weren't they? Well, I don't know. Was it? Was it? Were they meant to be an ex- executioner squad or something? Were they sort of slightly more involved or communicate more or something? I think that was in a publicity blurb i i don't recall there being a reference in no, the episode there wasn't. to them being from a particular sector no there wasn't i was i was watching for it and there wasn't what, what what i did notice was just below the eye stalk there was some kind of plate or like an inscription with a scaro wording on mm. it you know very similar i wondered to the cult of scaro that, that plate's always been there that plate's been there all the way back to dalek because that's how the fans clocked there was going to be multiple Has Daleks in the parting of the ways. Because the Radio Times cover ah. had Daleks with different t- Scaro script under their eye stalk. Inscriptions and so on. <laughs> well, it's nice to know that I've noticed something 15 years <laughs> oh my, after. <laughs> I'm not talking anymore. On the subject of being chatty, was I the only person that laughed out loud when the Dalek went, I am not Nick? 
because of course it's Nick Briggs who is doing the voice of the Daleks. Oh, of oh. course, yes, <laughs> yes. Yes, I was the only person. That so the answer was yes. Um, you were the only. Yes, you yeah. were. <laughs> but it is funny. I I thought this was a more relaxed episode. Obviously, Flux took itself very seriously, um, but this this script seemed to allow itself a bit of time to breathe and i think the characters definitely benefited from that the plot did and as you say ian i think the daleks did as well i found their dialogue a bit more intriguing certainly than previous christmas specials and when we were sitting down 12 months ago to review revolution of the daleks and i think it was the three of us actually i i remember saying the daleks were just totally uninteresting and very similar to something you'd seen in a video game, whereas these weren't. Um, maybe I'm after a bit of personality in my Daleks, you know? I thought that this was possibly the best Daleks going back to Dalek, <coughs> because, and then there was actually quite a similar setup there of essentially one or, a, or two Daleks cruising through uh, a facility, basically killing anyone they came near, you know, the absolute ruthless death machine they're supposed to be. Um, with a bit of personality to the Dalek versus the sort of legions and legions that we've become used to seeing flying around in formation in space and they came a bit cannon foddery. You actually got back to the menace of a single Dalek here, which was nice to see, actually. I I like seeing that. I completely agree there, actually. It it was just... It made them more interesting. I've always preferred those that talked about the cult of Scaro. I found that quite interesting because they were their own sort of different personalities. They also sort of sort of conspired together and I and I kind of missed that in the Daleks it hasn't been that way for quite some time and as Ian quite rightly pointed out they have been cannon fodder really very easily defeated uh whereas I felt in tonight's one they they actually felt like a genuine threat again uh, which to me they haven't done in a, in a very very long time mm. um and I've got to be honest when I saw for you know for the third year running um uh, we're going to get another Dalek New Year's Day special oh you know, I'll just say, oh, come on, change the record. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised with this one. Yeah, and, and I think that's because the story was vastly better. And ultimately, I, I doubt whether any Doctor Who fan really has difficulty with seeing Daleks. No, no. Provided the story in which they appear is uh, is novel or any good. Um, and I found it interesting this time. I mean, you, you used the word cannon fodder. Uh, and I think that's exactly what they were in Flux. And they even referred to it. These Daleks were, well, had their eye sticks put out of joint, hadn't they, by the Doctor. Uh, the fact that they blamed her for hijacking the Sontaran's plan to wipe out a battle fleet. Mm. Um, so, you know, gen- genocide or accusations of genocide seem to have been slightly over the top um, when the uh, Sontarans were accused of that at the end of Flux. Um, they are clearly other Daleks in the universe. So they are not guilty of, of genocide. Um I, I like the way in which there were a couple of links, quite clear links to Flux here. So whilst I think it's clear the universe still exists and therefore the Flux event either never happened or the Doctor saved it in some way, and I don't want to get into <laughs> to that no, again. Not again no. <laughs> that's just, that clearly that's, that's, that's happened now. What I thought was interesting was the way that... You know, you know, it kind of felt odd when Dan, for example, was let down by die at the end of Flux, and you know, he he was just disappointed. Mm. Well, I like the way in which that that was turned around entirely, and he used that experience. He said, "Well, 
look, Yaz, you know, I left it way too late, even though I think he's being very harsh on himself in that analysis. I left it so late, it didn't happen. Make sure you tell the doctor before it's not too late. Now, notwithstanding the fact I don't really... I'm not a huge fan of these kind of plot elements being in my Doctor Who. I thought that was quite well done, and it was quite a good bit of uh, character writing there. I mean, leaving leaving aside, I mean, like you, I'm not a huge fan of the the more romantic elements in the show. I actually thought, with the possible exception of John Bishop's stuff, that the worst parts of the episodes is when they dip down into some of that navel-gazing, thoughtful dialogue including the Doctor's big stirring speech about making yourself better. Um, every time one of those bits came along, I thought that what was quite a pacey, you know, engaging plot just stopped dead. Uh, you know, the music stopped, everything stopped, the Dalek stopped hunting them, apparently, while people had these sort of soul-searching conversations that, to me, just drained all the atmosphere out of the thing. And then we, we hit hooked back in and carried on again, so... I wasn't. I mean, I think I agree with you. I think the way John Bishop's character and the way he acted it was actually quite good. But I mm. thought those elements, which were quite heavy towards the end of the episode, started to drag on it a little bit for what had for the first half been, you know, fun, pacey entertainment. The fact that you know that the the time loops were getting shorter and shorter, but that you're still having these types of conversations. <laughs> you, you, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think. Yeah, that that's if that's going to be my sort of my only criticism of this, I think that that would be it. Is the fact that they're having these conversations at the most ill-timed moments uh, when they're supposed to be rushing from the basement or from the fifth floor down to the basement, whichever way around it was. Um, yet they want to have a, a discussion about you know I wanted to go travelling, but I couldn't find the right person to go with, kind of thing. And it was yeah, okay, time and place. You know, there's there's more pressing concerns yeah. <laughs> if you ask me. You know. Yeah, I'm not sure whether I'd call it a criticism, uh, but I mean, I get your points. Um, you know, I think that's probably true of quite a number of Chibnall's episodes is is that these, these discussions and these heartfelt conversations take place in between action sequences. And uh, sometimes mm. it just feels a little bit unrealistic, uh, which is a bit of an odd thing to say about a show about time travel and Daleks and all the rest of it. Um, <laughs> but it, it didn't feel quite right. Whereas today, I've got to say, I, I, I think it actually worked reasonably well. Um, I do have one question uh, I want to ask, and this is probably just a technicality or something I didn't understand. Um, but Nick fancied Sarah, yeah? And he's, he's, he's had a long-term crush on Sarah. Now, she said at one point, how long has this been going on for? And he said, three years. I come in on New Year's Eve because I know you're going to be here. And he's been doing that for three years. So was this just the third occasion on which he'd visited? Or had he come to that storage unit in between those times as well and not found her there? It, it, it was not specified, but my assumption no. was that he comes in at various times and sometimes sees her, sometimes doesn't. But he always comes on New Year because he knows she'll always be there. So that was the way I interpreted right. it, is that it was just a guaranteed meeting versus rolling the dice. Okay. Yeah, because I, I, I took it that New Year's Eve would be the one time she, she'd be guaranteed to be there on her own when Jeff wouldn't be there. That's, that's how I took it. So if that were the case, then is he has, she's right. He is weird. 
Because that is well, a very bizarre thing to do, along well, yeah, with I mean, collecting little trophies from previous relationships. Well, I was going to say, because he's obviously been there on numerous occasions, the amount of stuff that he's mm. squirreled away into his storage uh, uh, facility there, um, which was a bit odd. Especially with a I mean, filing system. He'd actually thought, all right, I must get some post-it notes now, and I'm going to categorise each one of these things. I mean, all of his girlfriends, obviously, are dead. Quite absent-minded. <laughs> well, yeah, dead. I think he's almost certainly right. Happy New Year, everybody! <laughs> and that was uh, that was quite a good line in the script. I enjoyed that. But at the same time, that is bizarre, and it's interesting how it was interwoven into the stro- story to actually be endearing, as opposed to a rather alarming trait, because no one tried to deny that this was really strange, concerning behaviour. And then the doctor said, yeah, well, you know, he's a nice guy anyway. So is the moral of this story, even a weird psycho stalker can find love? That's one way of looking at it. I was expecting Yaz to arrest him, to be honest with you. (laughs) (laughs) I think Yaz had her own um, (laughs) concerns. Well, do you know what? I I think it was a bit of a ham-fisted way of of bringing it back round to the Yaz and the doctor with the whole thing with the, you know, the, the, the weirdo person is usually the keeper yes that's actually very true um and a lot of chibnall scripts there's these two sides to things there's mirroring uh going on mm. all the time the same thing is happening um in two different uh storylines it was very evident within the angel story within flux and i think perhaps that was the case here for every action that happens it actually reflected the actions of another character or another storyline so maybe you're right there. And um, the Doctor's weirdness is uh, is supposed to be reflected in Nick's. Now, there's one thing that um, I'm not entirely clear on. And am I right in assuming that it was the TARDIS that created the time, time trying to hold the time yeah. loop together? Yeah. It was, right, okay. I just wasn't sure if I misheard what the Doctor said. We finally had an explanation for the, the black goo and the funny doors is it was a, a throwaway at the beginning of the of the episode that it was that, that was somehow linked to the flux and now she had to control alt delete and reboot the tardis to fix it yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah she had to reset it for sure but when those pillars fell backwards as all of the characters were exiting the tardis i did think phil is going to be really pleased because i thought potentially that was the last we were going to see at the tardis well when i saw it all collapse like that inward i yeah. kept it inwardly because you know Joe was there and Scott was there, but inside I was I was going yeah. <laughs> like yeah exactly, <laughs> and I heard you even though you're the other side of London. I heard you cackling. The story led you to believe they were going to introduce a yes. new TARDIS console, yes. But it would be a bonkers yeah. time to introduce a new TARDIS console just before RTD takes over. So it, it, I I wasn't massively surprised to see it was back to normal at the end because otherwise that would have been a bit rude on well either you end up with a TARDIS set for two stories or it's a bit rude for Russell I don't think that would have happened I was just wondering whether or not that was the last we were going to see of this TARDIS interior Mm. Uh, I mean it's not unknown for stories to not feature the interior of the TARDIS or even for them to travel by time ring for you know an entire season indeed I think on the whole it would feature within my top five Whitaker stories of the of the entire era so i'm just trying to figure out how many stories that is that's quite a lot it's nearly what 25 so just under 30 perhaps so it is something i enjoyed i really enjoyed the performances i like the daleks i thought whitaker's performance was excellent Uh, the main criticism i have is the fact that for the first half an hour 
Dan and Yaz were, they may as well have not been there. All they did was chase around after the Doctor and hardly said anything. Run up and down corridors, get shot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but they, they were, I think, really, really underused. But, you know, all minor things, really, in the scheme of things, because it was it was quite fun in the end. Um, it does feel also as though we're moving, you know, or we already have moved a long way forward from... The flux storyline. So I do think that is um, pretty much finished now. I, I joked about it just yeah. then, but actually, while watching, I thought they've made a virtue out of running up and down corridors. This is actually almost a very old school, you know, Tom Bakery type <laughs> story where almost the entire runtime is them just running up and down corridors for one reason or another. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with going back to a little bit of sort of classic uh, uh, atmosphere. No, I agree. No. I do agree. And And for once, no, I mean, if, if you recall, whenever we used to watch those uh, shows, Ian, you know, back with Tom Baker and indeed with Pertwee sometimes, all of those corridors were on a single level, always. Mm. This was a multi-story <laughs> um, set of corridors. And when you think about a storage unit, what a fantastic set for a Doctor Who story. Because it all it is, 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 you know, five or six floors full of corridors <laughs> with dead ends. And then put a Dalek in it. You can see how this... This story came to be, I think, or at least the concept. It is a brilliant, brilliant setting. In fact, I can't think of a better setting. Perhaps maybe a multi-story car park. Oh, yeah. I'm (laughs) looking forward to that one for next year's Christmas special. Reversing of the Daleks. (laughs) Daleks do not reverse. (laughs) (laughs) It's a story I would quite happily sit down and watch again. And I can't say that a lot for for Whitaker's era. Um, or era, no. sorry, era, era. Yeah, and there's not many episodes I would sit down and watch again. If it was on the telly, I was having to switch over. Oh, even the Daleks, I'll sit down and watch it. Or if I fancy watching a bit of Doctor Who, I wouldn't mind just popping that one in just for an hour and just lose myself yeah. for a bit. Yeah, I, I would say this is, along with Village of the Angels, uh, a couple of my favourites of the Whitaker era. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't remember most of the Witter career. I, I struggle to bring them to mind unprompted. So just the fact that they're memorable pretty much puts them to the top of the pile automatically. Yeah. Well, how about that? I don't think, listeners, you are going to get a more united and positive camper van. You certainly haven't had one as positive as this. Well, let's say as overtly not negative as uh, <laughs> as this in ages. Um, so I, I think that's really good. It's always fun uh, to to give a positive review or say things that you've um, you've enjoyed about an episode, and that's been quite difficult, at least for me, and it's been borderline impossible for Ian over the last <laughs> six weeks. <laughs> so so that's that's great. Um, I do wonder whether that positivity will continue in episode three hundred and thirty five A that should be heading your way next week, hopefully, where the Americans. The Americans are coming. The Americans are coming. Um, Michelle, Brent and Drew will be giving you their views on Eve of the Daleks. And bearing in mind, they nearly always start from a more positive place than we do anyway. Yeah. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confidently predict that they really enjoyed this. We are the grumpy end of the camper van. We are. We are. We're, we are. I'm proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, that's what we thought. We'd also love to hear what you thought about Eve of the Daleks as well. So please don't forget to send us in your lovely, lovely feedback. Uh, we do enjoy reading that out. So um, if you want to get in touch with us on Twitter, it's at the DR Who podcast. If you want to email us, um, it is, now correct me if I'm, 
I'm going to get this one wrong. James, always, I never get there. <laughs> Is it feedback at? Yes, carry on. The Doctor Who Podcast.com. Oh, Phil, brilliant. Ah, yes, well done. <laughs> well done. <laughs> what you need now is a time loop so you can get that right. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, you can also get in touch with us on our Facebook page um, as well. So there's uh, plenty of avenues for feedback. What's coming up next, though, for the <laughs> Doctor Who podcast, though, uh, James? Oh, I'll put you on the spot No, here. no, not at all. Um, it's interesting uh, that you ask, because for once, I don't have to just make it up. Uh, I have a plan. Hey! Um, well, you, you may have noticed, in fact, we, uh, we, we did make a point of saying that uh, we're at the beginning of a new year. Now, if you dial back 12 months uh, into January uh, 2021, the three of us, I think, were joined by Brent, I want to say, and we made some predictions about what would happen in the Hooniverse in 2021. Well, we're going to go back and revisit those uh, predictions now. And this is the point at which where uh, both of you tell me that you can't remember what it was that you predicted 12 months ago, or even possibly two weeks ago. So we've got no chance <laughs> um, of, of remembering what those predictions were. And we shall, of course, come up with some new ones uh, for the next 12 months as well which should be interesting so that will be on the feed towards the end of january hopefully and we also have our annual collaboration with who and company coming up uh, that's going to be focusing on evil of the daleks this year so my goodness that's not going to be confusing at all is it um so <laughs> and more animated daleks just of a different kind <laughs> um, <laughs> well there we are everybody it, it turns out it was a very very happy new year in the camper van after all so there we are who'd have thought who'd have thought so let's hope this continues throughout the rest of the year but for now we're gonna say bye 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 for now everyone bye everyone That was the Doctor Who Podcast, which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it in to feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. Thank you for listening. Take care. There's a lot of comedy stuff, so it's turn up on things like Mock the Week or um, the what's the, the the Dave game show where they do all the challenges. Um, um, I know what you mean. I know one. what you mean. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, one. I think she <laughs> tuned in to that podcast yeah. where three old men try to remember stuff. Yeah, and fail. The taskmaster. There you go. I got. You that. know that person? That reminds me of another program. I can't remember the person it reminds me of. All the oh. program. It might not have been a TV show. Could have been a play. No, it was about this conversation I had at work last it's, week. It's our own anyway, time yeah, loop of um, senility, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Senility of the old buggers. Yes, I think that's a good episode title. <laughs> so, but, um, Words are like weapons, they wound 
If I could turn back time